Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors help answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. And now, here is your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com and get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, stuff, things, chances to win 12 packs of... DD32 magazines and other things at facebook.com slash ballistic radio. Co-sing with me, Jack Jack and Melody. Yay. I find Melody's intro tagline to be a, a weak ripoff of Jack Jack's original and much more solid material, much like it is. I mean, we really have to accept the fact that people are going to forget about Dre but they're not going to forget about my intro. Mm. Intim- it, er, intimidation. No, that's not the word I was looking for. Imitation is... The sincerest form, form of flattery. Exactly, exactly. Right. Intim- intimidation, intimidation is too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm intimidated there, by you. There's no way I am intimidating you, though. I don't know. You're pretty mean when you're... Angry, yeah. Angry, yeah. Angry Melody is a... Am anyway. I that scary, hangry? Yes. Yes. Jack? Oh yeah, yeah. You're terrifying. Oh, it's mm. good to know. I need to. I need to harness that power sometime and use it. So hey, guess what? What's that, John? What's well, actually our 200th episode and the season finale of? Wait, wait, wait! Golf clap. I'm like the concert goer. The <laughs> no, 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 no. You have to do it this way. That was amazing. That was amazing. You know what you just reminded me of? Uh, Tropic Thunder. Oh, that was a good movie. We can't talk about it on air, though, because it's offensive to everyone. Anyway, now guess what? What's that, John? This segment brought to you by Tactical Night Vision Company. The night is dark and full of terrors, or at least it used to be. But now we have the technology to fight the night, and TNVC is your one-stop shop for all your dark fighting needs. From the TNV PBS 14 night vision goggle to the IR Patrol thermal monocular and everything in between, TNVC can outfit your defense against the dark arts. Doesn't matter if it's your lost keys, the enemy, or that little kid from down the street that likes to wander off. TNVC has what you need to find things in the dark. TNVC now with financing. Own or finance the night. So, it's a user question show. And if we. My re- favorite card. Actually, I go back and forth. I do like them, though, because we get to interact with the fans a little bit more. So, anyway, uh, we read your question on air. We're going to select our favorite question completely by random, not because we like it better than the other ones, to win a 12-pack of Daniel Defense 32-round AR-15 magazines. Um, And there should be a disclaimer about you need to check your local laws and... And blah, blah, blah. But I'm probably going to stalk Facebook pages and make sure you live somewhere <laughs> free before you win. I mean, 
Anyway, wait, was that too much behind the curtain? Mm-hmm. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Coming from? <laughs> Coming from John Ninny. Or <laughs> Nene? I don't know, man. It's it's three ends in, in a five-letter name. na 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 With regards to the armed pair curriculum, would yes. it be more advisable to leave handguns in safes in multiple locations throughout the house or carry one on your person? Mm, I just keep the gun on me and call it good. Well, he, he further goes on to say he's in his pajamas most of the time. Do other people not carry guns in their pajamas? I That was my statement. Like, I have a shoulder holster just for pajama wear. I have a pajama gun. <laughs> I, I mean... And since I've gotten the Runcible holster, I pretty much have zero excuse not to have a gun on me. Is it Runcible or Runcible? Or... I asked him, and he said it could be either. Ah. So I, I like Runcible. Much like the holster. Right? <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. Um, but yeah, that, it, there are so many different um, holster types out there that really there's no excuse that you shouldn't have one on. And I, personally, I think that having the gun on your person is one more controllable and one you you know where it is at all times it's on your person. And um, you're just going to have better access always. It's Right. So what, what she's talking about is the uh, Runcible um, design, excuse me, Runcible Works. Um, YP holster. Which so, stands for apparently yoga pants holster. It's, oh, nice. it's pretty legit. I don't wear yoga pants, but if I did, no, I actually want to get, I've been, uh, I've had one on order for a while. And the only reason I haven't gotten it yet is because I didn't send any measurements in. And <laughs> every time I'm like, oh yeah, I'll do that. And then I'm like, no, no, Mr. Superman, no here. So I, I honestly, getting back to the actual question. I think safes in multiple locations as a deterrent from stopping your children to get a hold of the guns is a bad idea. Like the longer, if if there are five safes, those kids are going to get a hold of those safes and eventually they're going to get them open. I think, I think that you really need to make a, a delineation between the age of the child, um, what your, what your situation. So, so let's break it down. Uh, and then we'll move on to the next question because I want to try and burn through a lot of these today. But um, depending on the age of your children, it might make sense. Once they're older, quick access safes do not keep out determined people. And you're going to know your kids better than than I could. So, I mean, um, use your own judgment. If you really feel like you can't carry something on you, um, then, yeah, I suppose staging firearms works. I've never been a fan of it. I know people are, but you've got the right idea. If you're going to do it, they need to be locked up. So the last thing I'll say is keep the staging kind of to a minimum because you got ten places to hide guns around your house. That's a really good way to forget where things are, and also kind of like, did I put the gun over there? And all of a sudden, you open up and wait, where was that gun? I I was mo I'm moving right now, and I just found a gun I lost because <laughs> right? I'm a stasher. <laughs> Remember, you don't have kids. Remember, so. remember when I couldn't find one of the 320s, and the reason I couldn't find it is because it was in a quick access safe. Yes. Anyway, moving on. Okay, coming from Jacob Gregg. When training, do you find it more beneficial to use a 3D torso style target or paper? Um, it depends on what kind of training you're doing. The thing I I, I really like the idea of. Um, working with three-dimensional targets because a lot of people don't understand how different presentations can change the aiming areas um, on a human being to still 
hit the areas that we need to hit to physically stop a threat. Um, that having been said, if that's all the training that you do, I think that it's very easy to lose sight of the fundamentals of marksmanship. Um, so you need to you need to decide what you're working on beforehand and train appropriately. My favorite target to use is a two-inch circle. I mean, um, you can do a lot of good work on on just a two-inch circle as far as whether it's speed work or precision work or or whatever. And people are like, "What? What do you mean speed work?" Um, yeah, you can you can hit a two-inch circle with speed. You know, at um, at three five yards. If once you get better, seven yards, whatever. So that would be that. That would be kind of my take on it. We got about forty five seconds left in this segment. What do you think? Um, if you're going to use three D targets, turn them into different directions. Yes, I know it looks cool to be on the Instagrams and go fast, but the benefit is that you can attack it from different angles and right. see what that looks like. Well, and then the other the other thing too that you're really seeing is how something that is person sized, um, even though the actual aiming area is is not person sized, um, when you turn it different presentations, it's a very, very small target. Anyway, it is our two hundredth episode season finale. We're answering your questions and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. <laughs> Brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of air rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Six Hour. Now, with more options. We're not all the same, and our carry gun shouldn't have to be either. Six Hour gives you choices. And with more models than the Bible's got Psalms, it's never been easier to find a Six Hour that fits your needs. From the extremely versatile striker-fired P320 with modular grip frame, to the Legion Series P226, the single-stack P225A1, or the entry-level SP-2022 six-hour makes a model that's right for you. Just don't ask for Callahan full-bore auto-lock. They don't make that. Yet? Six-hour when it counts. So, it is our 200th episode season finale, and we're answering your questions and giving away a 12-pack of Daniel Defense DD-32 magazines um, to one lucky listener. So... Coming from Robert Gayhart, what is the practical application of a pistol caliber carbine in today's age? Hmm. There's a couple different ways to answer that question. Uh, some of it depends on your... So we'll, we'll look at it two ways. Um, from a training aspect, having an AR um, analog that I can shoot at any range anywhere on any target is really cool. Um, having something that takes cheaper ammo than rifle ammo, really cool. Having something I can go and compete with at USPSA matches, you know, the, a match designed around the distance I am likely to use an AR and the kind of shooting that I would need to do at that distance. Cool. And, and the ballistically, there is no real difference at 25 yards. As, as far as like holdovers and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it, it, 25 yeah. yards and in they're, they're pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, it's, and we're not talking terminal ballistics. We're just talking as far as um, training with one and holdovers and stuff like that. So, yeah, you still need to know offset, blah, 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 blah. There's all sorts of training advantages to having one available to you if the situation dictates. Now, from a, um, from a tactical or actual self-defense, what's funny, Melody? No. 
I was reading something. I'm sorry. I was trying to read a screen. You just called attention to it. Ah, you fail, John. Fail. Continue. No, I think embarrassing on air is very important. <sighs> anyway, um, I am smart enough to not ask what you were reading, though, so there is that. Wise man. Right. I will say that I was actually a huge, like, naysayer on the pistol caliber carbine for a while. And now, having played with the Wilson, I, I'm a much bigger fan. And I have projected the cost of buying one, uh, maybe not that one, but something similar for an in-home gun. Um, but I'm, I'm going to keep my cards close to my chest because when this... When I drop this, it's going to be 1980s. Like, people are going to lose their mind. Anyway, um, from a, a, you know, tactical, I, and I hate using that word, but you guys know what I mean. Um, from that standpoint, uh, yes, I get that a 5.56 or 300 blackout or whatever is terminally more effective than a 9mm if we're using supersonic ammunition. However, comma, if you are primarily concerned about having a suppressed gun that um, is hearing safe, you know, and you are going to use subsonic 300 black in that role, take a look at a 9mm because 147 grain HST, which is subsonic out of a short um, pistol caliber carbine, uh, it's as or more effective than a 220 grain 300 black that relies on turning sideways to to create its permanent crush cavity. Um, you know, so are there advantages? It's it's not not viable, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, if you told me I was gonna go out and get into a gunfight in my house and I was only concerned about terminal ballistics and that's it. I'd use a shotgun. So, I mean, the people that are like, well, 5.56 five, is so much better than 9mm because of the terminal effectiveness. Uh, okay, close your computer, Melody. Just, no, close it. You've lost computer privileges in the studio. Thank you, Jack. The 12-gauge the is, is demonstrably better um, at close distance and anything else available to us at shoulder fired. So apparently inviting Melody to horrible an, idea. an adult horrible, function. Horrible idea. She's over there. Wait, let me describe this. She's wearing her triple out design links hoodie. So she looks like a cross between an Ewok and I don't know what a very angry Nirvana fan. Um, <laughs> That is amused at something. It does smell like teen spirit in here. Wow. I'm not just amused. That was really funny. I'm sorry. I like tears in my eyes. Literally our job. Literally what yeah, we... you you get invited to one episode. Uh... Moving on from Cut Clark. What is the biggest unmet challenge for the training industry? What are the opportunities being missed? Um I'd say the biggest unmet challenge to the training industry is talking to people that aren't already in the training industry. And this is a conversation that I've had before um, about like how I used to present information. I don't really feel great about that. And I'm probably going to have Kathy Jackson on uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks to talk about this very issue. Because, um, you know, I 
Kathy was like my first introduction. Uh, the first website I ever read when I got interested in, in any of this stuff was The Cornered Cat. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing today is because the way she chose to present information, um, the presentation was amazing and it was much more relatable and understandable to me than some of the the presentations I see. Now, if if all you need is uh, a no step on snack and um, like some Punisher skulls and, and you're sold, that's cool. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all, but I think the industry itself um, and training industry in particular needs to do a better job of not one, preaching to the choir or two, using fear-based arguments to convince people over to our side. There's plenty of perfectly reasonable, um, well thought out arguments that we can be using to introduce people into self-defense culture, introduce people into the personal responsibility culture. Um, and, uh, I think that that's, you know, very important. So anyway, coming from, if we're just going with that, I'll, I'll show, huh? Oh, Alrighty then, Logan Foster. Thank you. Asks, what school or institution has been the most has had the most impact on you? Knowledge, not from a knowledge standpoint, but also from mindset. How about you, Jack? And then I'll let me think um, about that. From weapons handling, it was definitely Gomez, uh, Paul Gomez. Like I still handle guns based around the concepts and mod them based around the concepts that he taught. Um, but my biggest mindset shift happened probably a couple of years ago when I started rolling full-time jujitsu. Like that was pretty much just what I did. Um, and my coach there's like, he would just say things not intending for them to be super impactful. That was just the lesson he was teaching. Right. But I walked away from there with like life lessons where I was like, Oh man, I should totally break up with this relationship because it's not teaching me anything and I need to get a rear naked choke on life and I need to stop trying to go for this arm bar that's not working. And I, I swear to you, it just changed how I thought and then it, it moved it moved into like how I taught other people and it, it's just been the biggest impact. So Thank you for not turning that into a segue of why you needed to get a rear naked choke <laughs> on your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so yeah, Brian Hill from uh, Fusion Fitness. Yeah, had the most impact. Uh, Todd Lewis Green uh, and Pistol Forum, actually. So, which I don't go to Pistol Forum anymore. Uh, I don't have time. It's still an amazing forum. There's awesome people there that are imparting really, really good knowledge. Um, and this is actually timely anyway because it's going to be we're coming up on the one year anniversary of Todd's passing. Um, Todd and I were not close friends, and I think people misunderstand that sometimes. Todd had a huge impact on me. I guarantee I had zero impact on Todd. And, and to be honest, I don't think he liked me very much. I have evidence to support that. That having been said, um, I wouldn't wouldn't be anywhere today in, in this industry if it weren't for, one, the example he set that at the time I didn't really understand um, how good of an example it was. And I, I regret a lot of the interactions I had with a bunch of people um, back then. But two, just... You know, the dude helped me out 
when he didn't have to and he got absolutely nothing for it. Um, so, yeah, for me, that's that. We got about 20 or 30 seconds left. How about you, Melody? I'd probably say Greg Elifritz. Um, he was one of the first people that I went to and really had a full, not just guns, but also about life. Like, live your life, have a good life, have a fun life, but protect yourself. Right. Anyway, it's our 200th episode season finale, and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better! This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. Legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories at www.wilsoncombat.com. So to see 200th episode season finale, and I am joined by Jack-Jack and the now lost their computer privileges in the studio, Melody Lauer, and we're answering your questions. So. Tony Braden asks, is a $2,900 pistol that much better than a $500 pistol for carrying? Huh. Better is really subjective. And I think, so what they're talking about, Wilson Combat just released, um, uh, they're taking pre-orders on their new EDC X9, which is a 15-round 1911-esque carry gun designed for carry. Uh, it's $28.95 retail. Um, people are, you know, oh my God, it's so expensive. One, it's one of the cheaper firearms they make. So the fact they've come out with something new that is uh, a, a semi-custom, hand-fit, you know, precision instrument at that price point is actually pretty affordable considering there are 1911s um, that people make that are eight or $9,000 guns. So I think people's frame of reference is probably, you know, what's, what's expensive to me or you might not be expensive to someone else. I mean, I've carried everything from a $300 pistol yeah. um, to, for a little while, my EDC was a little over four grand. Right. In totality. Everything I had on me, I counted up. I'm like, oh, there's $4,000 worth of stuff here. There are days where I think it's worth, like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna carry the best tool that I can use the most effectively, which for me isn't a twenty isn't isn't that super expensive pistol anymore, um, but it's what I get out of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I've trained to make this tool this effective, and it was worth me spending the extra money so that I know it will work, and not fail in a variety of conditions. Right. No reference here. <laughs> um, the well, here let's ask Melanie because I know for a fact um, you're carrying a, a twenty one hundred dollar Glock most days. Yeah. Why? Why? Explain why that you know because shouldn't a five hundred dollar gun just be good enough for you, Melody? Well, <clears throat> again, the question is good enough for what uh, and. If I were, I would have zero problem going and getting a, you know, $300 gun that I knew was reliable and carrying it. Um, and I have, and I still do. I don't carry this one all the time, but there are certain things that throughout my job and things that I need to do where 
having certain modifications and having certain features makes the overall experience better, uh, makes my abilities, it pushes the, the boundaries of my abilities with that particular firearm. And honestly, it comes down to preference. Like you hear people saying, why do you need a you know $50,000 car versus a $120,000 car? You know, for some people, it's just worth it. Um, you know, the little added extras and things along those lines. And so the other thing too is like, if I hand a a new shooter, a, a, a nice, you know, I'm not going to say nice, but let's say a semi-custom firearm. Are they going to be able to take full advantage of it? Nope. Are they going to be able to even maybe notice a difference between a non-custom firearm? Maybe, I don't know. Um, but someone that knows what they're doing and is at starting to reach the peak of their performance can start eking out those minuscule gains from stuff like that. So that, that I was will that. say that every person, even if they're a brand new shooter who's shot my gun and then gone back to their stock Glock or whatever, is like, how do I get a gun like yours? I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. if Let it's worth it to you, you, you'll yeah. spend the money. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and that, what I don't get is people that um, it's not worth it to them. Cool. That obviously means it can't be worth it to anyone else. Well... I mean, there's a number of different balance points. I, I've seen people defend their $2,000 gun that did not work as as if it was their yeah. child. Um, and that that's a really good point, that overdoing it and then it finding it to be at fault and then not going back and saying, hey, I lost some money on this. You know, The, the price tag of what I'm carrying doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Its functionality and abilities matter to me. Um, I could have a $10 flashlight. That's not as good as my $150 flashlight mm -hmm. by far. Mm. Surefire. <laughs> Their next segment, Jeff. <laughs> Come on. Anyway. Coming from John C. McGuire. This, this episode is horrible. You people shouldn't listen. To what that. are the must-have items in an EDC med kit besides the right tourniquet? You took my phone, you I did. bastard. That's right. I said it. Uh, what are the must-have items in an EDC med kit? So we have a different producer today, and he's never worked with us before, and I guarantee he's sitting in the booth going, these people are on the radio? For 200 episodes. Can you believe this? Yeah. yeah. He's like, whatever. He's I just want to go home. Yeah, right. Uh, must-have items in an EDC med kit. A besides a tourniquet. Oh. Besides a tourniquet. See, if you'd listened instead mm -hmm. of being worried about me stealing your phone. Um, how, I, about, how about SEMT? <laughs> well, I would start with combat gauze or some kind of pressurized gauze. Then that would kind of be the first one. Then some kind of occlusive dressing. There's so many different variations thereof. Um, just look up occlusive dressing. Definitely some sort of a pressure bandage. Um, either it's a, if you do a, like the compact thin cinch, that's really, really small. So you don't really have to worry about adding a lot of bulk. Or there's a, a, a larger ones like Israeli bandages. Those are really nice. Um, I mean, med kits can get as large as you think that you can possibly fathom or they can be still relatively compact and have a lot of stuff with them um things like just regular band-aids honestly um are probably what you're going to use the most you can go as far as like um you know airway devices and things like that as long as you're not crossing into the boundaries and all of those things really are non-invasive so you're not really crossing into the boundaries of, of performing medical procedures 
um, that you can do as a lay person as long as you have training on them and be covered by um, your Good Samaritan laws and things along those lines. But definitely lots of gauze, lots of pressure bandages, um, things to sop up blood and hold pressure. You're never going to go wrong with that from it, a trauma standpoint. It, it, excuse me? Uh, I, I believe you have my, my state, I mean my phone. Mean no, your, that's your a, lifeline? To the phone. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks. That was causing you real anxiety, wasn't it? Uh, I have an addiction. <laughs> Shut up. No, um, I agree with everything Melody said. Absolutely. Because yes. she's an EMT and we're not. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why would I answer this question? So this question got asked a lot. And I, I'm, I'm going to give credit to Am, Andrew Somhorst. Um, Andrew Somhorst. Somhorst. The listeners aren't the only ones learning. That being said, since you've begun the show, what have you learned and how has it changed you? Like, what what is the difference between you now and versus when you started the show or when you started training? Because I think we all, like, have some differences. Um, I used to pay lip service to the fact, um, what if I'm wrong? That would be, like, the thing I would say to myself before I would speak. Uh, (laughs) I wasn't actually thinking that, though, because... so occasionally, like, Facebook memories will pop up, like, something I've said a year or two ago, and I'm just like, oh, dear God. So I think, if anything, uh, I'm a lot less certain of myself and my opinions, uh, and I try very hard to look at things from other people's contexts or point of view. And if I've gotten anything out of all of this, um, it's the fact that... Absolute statements or thought patterns are usually, not always, but usually a bad idea. Um, And I think that once you start finding yourself falling into a, uh, a pattern or thought process that is kind of like that, you need to really examine what is, what is that built off of because it's not good. It doesn't. I I can't think of very much good that 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 leads to. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, when I started training, and I I reached my apex of not knowing what I didn't know, I was very much a "you'll get killed on the streets" guy. <laughs> so yeah, I used to do that. Oh oh, you have a J frame. You're gonna get killed on the streets, which is how I met Claude Warner. Um, I mean, and now I'm definitely a lot mellower. I'm I'm much more. I don't care what you carry. No, uh, you won't be at my gunfight. That'll be me. So I'm far more concerned about what I do. Um, so you do you, boo. But so, and I think there's a really big difference between recognizing the shortcomings and what someone is doing, um, and if they ask ask for your opinion, or you're in the position where your opinion is desired or is necessary or whatever. I'm not going to tell you what that is either. Um, Then, you know, lay out reasons. And if they don't make sense to that person, then cool. Um, But it's not a, it's not like a a binary statement of anyone that does not X will kilt in the streets, you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. How about you, Melody? I think for me, it was when I first started out, there was a lot, I came to self-defense with a lot of fear and that, that fear, um, that fear of life really, um, hampered me as a person. 
And it took a while to really, and I see that in a lot of people are just coming to it. Sometimes they've either had something happen to them or they've heard about something happening that, that scares them, which is why they come to this. Right. And then if they never get past that fear and they never, they never embrace life again, it's just going to continue to be a cancer instead of actually defend a life worth living. So coming out of that and then, you know, getting back into a lot of things that I really enjoyed and life that I, I think that I want to live to the fullest was probably the biggest thing. And then just doing that with a gun, not having that gun rule my life and, oh, I can't go here so or I can't go here with a gun, so I'm not going to go there. Um, just I live my life and have fun with it. Yeah. Um, metal detectors are evil. Other than that. Yeah. Anyway. It's the 200th episode season finale. We're answering your questions, and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Surefire. Know your target. And what is beyond it? But how can you really know your target? I'm William Shatner now. Yay. By shining a really bright light at it. And that's where Surefire comes in. From the USB rechargeable 300 lumen sidekick to the 500 lumen X300 Ultra and M600 Scout light, Surefire can make sure you never have to yell, Aziz, light! Ever again. Doesn't matter if you're shining a light at a potential threat or just helping your friends see through their eyelids. When you need all the lumens for longer, you need Surefire. And now as a special offer to ballistic radio listeners, you can get 30% off at the Surefire.com web store. Everything except suppressors and batteries by entering the discount code all the lumens. That is A L L T H E L U M E N S at surefire.com. No space. Coming from Georgia and John Hughes because they have a shared Facebook account. And We're not know. talking about that. We're not talking about that. Kydex versus leather concealed holsters. Pros and cons of each, please. Um, the leather holsters will hold on to the gun longer inside of a clinch. Or a struggle for the gun. What I mean by that is the resistance is constant for the most part until the gun is all the way out of the holster. Now, some people perceive that as slower. Maybe. Um, that having been said, leather tends to wear out in non-obvious ways and can create unsafe conditions that are not readily apparent until an issue occurs. For, in, for instance, excuse me, um, a sweat shield folding over uh, and then a, end up working into the trigger guard or the mouth of the holster, whatever. So, um, advantages, disadvantages, blah, blah, blah. Kydex, um, they, in my experience, are a little quicker. Um, they, oddly enough, I find them to be more durable. I know not everyone would agree with me there, but. Um, I've, I've worn out and broken more leather holsters than Kydex ones. Uh, do you know what I mean? Well, I think it's actually about, I, I've definitely worn out more leather holsters than yeah. Kydex holsters. I think the other thing too is like my definition of when a leather holster is no longer usable is probably different than right. other people's. Um, I've, I'm about 50, 50 on my usage. Um, I prefer leather for a lot of concealment options. Mm-hmm. Uh, but training, man, Kydex just is so much better. And, and you can set them up to where they replicate each other. 
Well, and leather, to, to me, leather whole, uh, retains more moisture, depending on how it's been treated, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I have seen leather holsters that have either gotten moldy. Um, the other thing, too, is when they've gotten damp or in a moist environment and swelled a little bit and locked down on the gun. I've seen people's guns completely lock up in holsters mm -hmm. from from the expansion of just a leather, um, from, it getting, from it getting damp and things along those lines. So if you have a leather holster... I have several. I just every so often, especially if you leave a gun in there for a long time, take the gun out, check the, the retention, make sure it's not too tight, um, check the condition of the leather itself. Like John's saying, you don't want it to start deteriorating, folding over, things like that. And I agree that I have had to replace leather holsters faster than Kydex holsters. One thing I will say, uh, my very favorite leather holster is uh, Five Shot Leather. Um, they make good stuff. Yeah, John Ralston's awesome. Uh, the SME is an amazing leather AIWB holster. There's two on the way to me right now. And certain right. leathers, like Shark, is is an amazing type of, of uh, material. To to it's very durable. Um, so there, you know, it, it really depends on the the type of material as well. Yeah. Horse hide's pretty good. Uh, not my not my lane. I ain't, I ain't going there. <laughs> So I, I'm a huge leather nerd, and I'm not going to get into this. <laughs> Ostrich is pretty. <laughs> um, it's really weak. Uh, a number of people are asking about lasers and aiming, and are we seeing a resurgence of it? I hope so. Um, lasers are are excellent for a lot of different things, and I think they've gotten a bad rap for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one of them, people don't know how to train with them effectively, so you see people doing really stupid things, and then... The people doing stupid things with them, it's like, well, anyone I see using a laser, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, watch someone that knows what they're doing use a laser. It's frightening. Um, Todd Lewis Green had some videos when he was doing his Smith & Wesson M&P um, test, and he had a Crimson Trace laser grip on that thing. And I want to say he was quicker with the laser than iron sights, which everyone says is not how that works. Um, um, the The other against that I see is... They'll give away your position. And I swear to God, if I hear one more person talking about military tactics and trying to apply them to civilian encounters like that, I'm going to talk like this. And it's going to be very clear that I'm angry. It's, it's dumb. It's dumb. Does that make sense um, overseas? Sure. Does it make sense if you're uh, a cool kid doing cool things with your hood rat friends? Uh, yeah, okay, whatever. But, like, for the dude in the hallway, you know, declaring his house because he heard something that's not just going to bunker down and call 911, um, yeah, him having a laser is okay, and him having his light on is okay, too. You know, because I would much rather he, you know, not shoot, his kid that snuck out, then give away his position to the enemy. I, sorry, you found a pet peeve of mine, apparently, and we need to change the subject. No, well, I, I think lasers are cool. I, I agree with you. Um, we're definitely seeing some cooler stuff coming out. And if someone wants to send me a mall, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah so if you want the civilian legal mall, go to TNVC.com. They have financing, and they have those in stock, last I checked. So by the time this airs, they might not. They might be sold out. But <laughs> They're moving fast. They are moving fast. And, yes, they are 
they are $1,300 better than the next equivalent option. Yeah. Everyone's like, they're $2,500. That's ridiculous. No, that's... When you see, like, the there's, difference... There's so, mm. so what's funny is, like, the civilian iSafe version is better than most of the restricted lasers that are available currently to, you know. Um, I think we got time for a couple more. Okay. Give me just a second. Two seconds. The problem is there's a lot of people in line that are like, what about the mall? Like, okay, guys, we get it. Um, if you could only shoot one gun for the rest of your life, what would it be? Hmm. This will fill the air while I find a really good one. Um, I think that question was actually if you could only have one gun for no, all no. those different... Guy straight up says... Tar it. Target shooting, competition, blah, blah, blah. Oh, there's multiple of this. Yeah, I don't know. Um, if I could only shoot probably a Glock 34, which is funny because I hate them. I I loathe them, but I run them really well um, for pretty much all the different things I need a handgun for. I don't like them very much, but they are my general, general purpose, um, you know? So what else you got? What is the best way for senior citizens to protect themselves in the home? Probably the same way it's the best way for non-senior citizens to protect themselves in the home. I mean, I, I know ageism is a thing, and I'm supposed to, like, treat people differently based off of their gender or, you know, age or whatever. But unless you have a disability, um, get a gun, seek a effective training and its use, set up multiple layers of warning and defense. I mean, that's, you know, if you're recoil sensitive or something like that, I think 22s are incredible for home defense. Um, something like a Ruger 1022 or something like that. But um, anyway, hey, we're coming up on the end of the show. That's, uh, that's it. There's probably music playing right now. I can't hear it because we're recording this one. Time travel. Oh, yes. Um, anyway, hey, thanks, guys, for helping out with this season. Uh, Melody, Jack, you've been... Uh, You've been very, very, very awesome to work with. So, you guys aren't going to say anything? <laughs> nope, nope, just going to let yep, you talk yep. to the void there. I hate we, we are awesome to work with. Yes, we are awesome. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> guys, <laughs> thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for listening. We will be back with an all-new season shortly. Um, ah, I hate everybody. You know what? I was going to say nice things, but... We just got done saying how awesome we were. Yeah, it was, it was a lie. Make sure you check out our website, ballisticradio.com. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ballisticradio. And hey, keep leaving those five-star review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week. <laughs>